calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving god, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. everybody and welcome to another episode of the beyond the eclipse uh, this is episode 10 and we're going to be covering episode 10 of tld uh, true colors and as always i have with me the host and dm of uh, tld hi that's v in case you haven't caught up oh right yeah hi i'm v <laughs> or volley or volander, or volander. Uh, preferably not volander but like whatever works and i'm athode voice of squash and uh gref gref I had Bulkram in my head because Bulkram is a in very important oh, character in this episode. Yeah, Bulkram in this episode, I'd forgotten. I'd forgotten the specifics of this episode, and my gosh, yeah, yeah, it's a heavy <laughs> one. But uh, let's start at the beginning. <laughs> start at the beginning. To the very so, beginning. Ap- the episode starts relatively like chronological to the last episode. We have Lafian sitting in a chair, uh, having just experienced his mirror vision. Nope. So and... not sitting in a chair. They're all just standing in the mirror room. Sorry, standing. Uh, have ha- have a lot of people made this? In- <laughs> this nope. I just this you just like he was sitting in a chair. I'm like, no, he wasn't. He was standing okay. in front of the mirror. <laughs> there were no all chairs right. in the mirror room. <laughs> no problem. Uh, yeah. No. Uh, like, Lafian is just standing there. Lafian. He's called Ballas at this point. Yeah. Um, Ballas is just standing there, and he's, like, uh, psychically screaming into everybody's brain, if I understood it correctly. Yeah. 
Um, so that was kind of a result of the like Nat One Wisdom fail, and we don't really do like results of fails, but we'd also been talking about. Um, it kind of leads into one of the things of like uh, gaining new abilities as you level up, like certain like this is yeah. or like certain that's. I like to tie them into plot points, and I saw a really good opportunity to not only have Laughing be able to um, explain where his sensor ability comes from, where he can pick up an object and do 24 hours. I wanted to give him the look back further than um, that so that we can learn stuff from the past. And that's actually based off of an idea we had from a former game that um, Neil and Archer and I were in, um, where we just had a little like a, a MacGuffin that basically if you held it, you could share your memories with someone. And I wanted a way to do that so that we could explore backstories really easily. Um, I didn't expect it to be used the way it was, I'm not going to lie, but it it was dope. <laughs> it was good. It gets, it gets used in a very impressive way. Yeah. I, I genuinely do have a... It was actually one of the like kind of things that I took away from when I started listening to you guys. I was just like, I genuinely want to try to introduce something like this to my home game. Unfortunately, home games are so wacky, you can never yeah. actually sit people down to do that. So I was very happy, uh, and we'll get to it when we get to it. There's a <laughs> scene where Squaw's just like, I want to do the memory thing. And that is Aether, just like, I want to <laughs> do the memory thing. Um, yeah, so like, yeah, the, the, the reason that we see, we experience all the psychic screams and all like this, that, and the other is because we wanted to show that that's what he did in the past. And it was, and I had like, I went through my old notes to make sure I hadn't missed forgotten it. And I kind of hadn't, I'd forgotten some things, but something I hadn't, but yeah, I had written down each of those like scenes in rough bullet form of like, you'll see this version and this and this, and of course Caden. So, I mean, he's put something in there for Caden and I wanted to be able to show those bits in the past. So like him doing that fail was a really good way that I could actually just feed that into the story and let him have that ability. So I was glad that it happened. And I like the way that Arch actually played that entire bit of just like, I'm on the floor and crying. I can't cope with any of this. I'm yeah. like, yeah, that's exactly yeah. what you would do. I love it. Uh, before, uh, I'm going to jump back a little bit. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, I, I found a couple of things in uh, early in the episodes which I found kind of interesting. Uh, first one is that uh, while Sultana's trying to move Laffian, Raul punches the mirror. <laughs> yeah. What was your like? Were you at any point like, oh no, are they gonna fuck with the mirror, or were you just like, it's invincible, it's, it's invincible. bolted to the floor? It's, it's, yeah, it's like, why I never ask for a role, um, because I yeah. don't believe you should let players roll if you don't want them to succeed, or rather, there are reasons that they shouldn't. If it's impossible for them to succeed, yeah. you shouldn't even be rolling because that's really unfair. Because I've got a nat twenty and their bonuses are plus twenty, and they can't do it because you know you can't lob an egg at the moon, <laughs> like you physically can't yeah. do yeah. that. No matter how fucking good you are, you cannot lob an yeah. egg at the moon and hit the moon. So it's impossible to do. So you can do it, but you you won't succeed. Um, and I, I don't believe in making people roll when they really can't succeed. So the mirror was always invincible to any attacks like that. I, I, I uh, We've talked a little bit about this, but I just want to mention this. Uh, we've talked a little bit about this in uh, other Beyond the Eclipse uh, episode, but I just want to mention it real quick because I find it uh, such a good idea. It's when your players pick a fight with a like a character that's way out of their level, and uh, like you look at uh, like what was it again? Um, I'm gonna cast a spell, and he needs to make a Wisdom DC saving throw. Okay, what's your DC? Thirteen. Okay, he passes. Like, don't roll. <laughs> just tell them. Yeah. And that's the moment the players are like, oh, oh, <laughs> oh. It's such a good tell for yeah. the players. Like, 
Oh, we fucked up. <laughs> yeah, there, I, there, I, are, I, there are definitely like early level. It's really good to drop that, but it is terrifying to drop that in late game. Like when yes. someone's like, yeah, my spell DC, I've gone it all the way up to 19. Yeah, if he rolls a one, he still passes. What? <laughs> so yeah, yeah. stupid stuff like that. You're just like, nah, I don't need to roll. I'm good to... Yeah, uh, but uh, we then have later, like, yeah, Lafian, like, when he realizes that he's, like, screaming into everybody else's uh, mind, he retreats into a private bubble inside his head where he even keeps Monarch out. Yeah. And I found that kind of interesting. Like, that was a cool flair and, like, it was interesting, like, a mental image yeah. of this, like, uh, him, like, creating this little, like, psychic bubble around himself. Yeah. Um, but eventually he breaks that. Yeah, um, um, he breaks that because uh, Ra Rugby tackles him to the ground, which mm-hmm. I thought was the funniest shit. And I adored that mm-hmm. so much. Um, punch the mirror. That doesn't work. Well, I'm going to rugby tackle him out of the room or whatever he does. And it's just I think it's really funny. Um, so, yeah, I, I like that. Um. <laughs> and I find it quite funny when you're like, all right, um, Lafian releases the, the scream and everybody's taking psychic, uh, make will saves and then you take a psychic damage. And I'm going to roll this one for Caden. Um, and you will see the damage if you ever find his body. <laughs> and I was... That's <laughs> such a cruel joke. I laughed really hard at that. I, I have that written down in my jokes. It's JK Caden. <laughs> Uh, it was very fun to listen to the crew uh, freak out. But... <laughs> it's like, that's cruel. I'm like, yeah, I'm sorry, but I have to have fun too sometimes. <laughs> uh, yeah, and then on 8 to 20, you do the shared vision thing. Yeah. And while I was, I wasn't even casually listening. I was intently listening, taking notes. And I had to go back like three times to listen to that entire thing. I think... This is probably not going to be a popular uh, thing to say. Like, you're not going to love hearing this. I think you made it too vague and too fast. Yeah, it was because, only supposed to be flashes. Yeah, because I can tell by the time it's over, none of the three listen uh, players realize what you just did. Uh, I, I think genuinely... Uh, not, none of them and we'll, we'll keep an eye out for it for next episode I don't think they realize what happened so at 8.20 uh, really cool music starts playing and V starts going through a vision in the first one there's a dwarf standing in front of you uh, he's he's on his knees and he's begging like I, I've told you where two knives is and then you like you grab onto your sword and you start pulling it out of the sheath that's clear Sultana murdering somebody uh, who is one of the final pieces for her to get to uh, two on knives arena, which is yeah. one yeah and then the second part is uh, somebody with black scaled hands punching a kid who's like screaming out and like, hmm, well, I guess that's Ral murdering the kid, which is going to come up in a future episode. Or has it already come up? No, it comes up in uh, a future episode. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't remember the fourth one. I have it yet. Um, then the third one is somebody who got the back of a horse in a cart. He looks down and there's a woman strained. She says, please take care. And he goes, uh, yeah, yes, I, I, I will. I will. I'll go to Falsum or something like with lies. And then he has a knife. And then we flash over to the fourth one. And the fourth one is uh, Balance uh, having the psychic attack when Monarch is forced into his hat. Yep. Um, so those are clearly three very negative moments in each of their lives. But there's that third part where you don't name. And that doesn't sound like anything any of us have ever heard at all in the story. 
It does not fit squash in any way. It doesn't nope, fit because he wasn't even a twinkle in your eye at that point. Um, yeah. No, it was always intended to be Caden, which is why I had to have Caden talk. Um, yeah. In my original set of notes, Caden doesn't talk at all. It's just Rosita. I'm sorry, his wife, Rose. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just her that talks. And as I was talking, I realized, like, I need to show that this is Caden. Um, so I need to have yeah. him talk. There's no other way. But, yeah, the intent was to be very much... These are flashes, and it, if they're flashes, yeah. I can't over-explain them because they don't sound or feel like flashes then. So this is a flash, yeah. this is a flash, this is a flash, this is a flash. And I gave just yeah. enough context to each of them for them to be able to pick it up. And I think you might be wrong because I'm pretty sure that they talked to Caden about it later. Maybe. Because um, they bring it up. Not it's in, not Caden, I don't think. It's not in this episode, at least. No, definitely not. Um, I think it's like episode after this one because this one ends on Caden like, oi, oi, you little buggers. Yeah, Uh, (laughs) yeah, yeah. yeah. We'll we'll get there. We'll get there. We'll get there. We'll figure uh, it out. But uh, no, okay. I I may be absolutely incorrect, but like it was just so fast and powerful. And I was just like, oh God, like this is like a, this is one of those scenes in movies and shows you watch. And you're like, oh, I bet this, this is very important. Oh, I'm going to need to rewind. (laughs) There's shit casual, hidden in here. <laughs> as a casual viewer who's watching the season after it's done, I could just keep going until the last episode. I'll have it all explained to me. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, that, that that scene is really good. And I, I really like it. And like I, what I said earlier, um, I, I don't think they got it. That is not meant as a negative thing because as a listener, I loved it. Yeah, I, I think it's like adored it. that scene and, and the same basically any of those like overly like grandiose descriptions that I just apparently launched my ass into, whatever. Mm-hmm. Neil makes it sound incredible. Like I remember mm-hmm. the energy I had when we recorded it because I was like, it was the beginning of a new recording session. And I know it's the beginning of a new recording session because I sound really nasally and sick in this and I remember being unwell. Like, I remember that being a thing. And I remember having to take a break between the mirrors and between the beginning of this one because I had to deal with a Nat Nat Zero uh, Nat 1 situation and how to link that into abilities. And like, I remember this was the very beginning of a scene. And because that was probably two in the morning, I was full of beans. Um, (laughs) I I was ready to go. Um, Hence why my energy level was really fast. And I'm like, yeah, Mm -hmm. I can power through this so I can I can hear that (laughs) I can hear I'm sick I can hear I'm full of beans and I can hear exactly where I start talking at my speed when I'm getting excited and that is in that little like um, guitar section that Neil put music underneath like he really captured that and my god it just sounds so much better with his music behind I never want to do descriptions without Neil anymore ever because he just it's so rad elevates it he's so good absolutely Neil I love you Yeah. Um, then the party tries to move on because they're going to go upstairs or leave because they mm-hmm. feel like they've kind of ca- captured everything they were going to do. And Balance kind of sneaks into a room to be kind of on his own. Yeah. And I thought that was a very neat little moment. Again, like Balance doing like a lot of like interesting things in this episode. Oh, yeah. And I found Ral's reaction. I'll babysit the door. And if it, <laughs> if it takes too long or if I start hearing noises I don't like, I'll break it down. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and Sultana walks off. And in that moment, I sat there just like, they split the team. They split the team so hard right now. Like, yeah. there's no it's line of sight through any of them. This is terrible. Uh, but of course, like, they've already cleared the dungeon. Like, yeah. there's no, like, threats out there anymore. But I, I did find it fun that this was very much like, um, it was a very scenic scene when they all three of them go to their own little areas. Yeah. I really do wish Raul had done something with his break. 
because then we'd have all three of them doing something in private and it would have been real nice to see them all flesh out their characters individually. Yeah. But alas, there's more than enough time for Raul later. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Oh boy. Oh boy, yes. Um, yeah, so this is this is Lafian going into the other room and having a quick chat with Brain Friend after doing a quick self-assessment of, hey, the mirror... Did it change something in me? Did it do something like, mm-hmm. nah. <laughs> it kind of allowed mm-hmm. you to have uh, access to certain things? <laughs> I, like th- I like that phrasing, did it change me? It was a very like yeah. kind of... Um, like, did it do uh, something like, to me? Yeah, am I fucked? Uh, yeah, and uh, 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 there's, a, there's a... Like, he talks with Monarch and Monarch's like, hey, I'm going to give you like... Here's a, like an ability. I, I, I'm pretty sure you're like ready for it. Like, yeah. go fuck with your friend out in the hallway. <laughs> and this is probably one of the more memorable scenes from the entire show in my mind. Mm-hmm. It is Lafian leaving that room and going, hey, Raul, um, trust me. And I was like, <laughs> ah, fine. What are you going to do? And then Laf- uh, Arch is <laughs> going to be like... I'm going to spend all my side points, side points and I'm going to fucking look into Monarch's mind. Like, I'm turning this ability, I, I'm turning this gun he just yeah. gave me on him. I, I love that for so many reasons. It's one of, like, the, the, the first, like, standout things in my brain of, like, you know when people always ask, like, when did players fuck with your plan? Like, you didn't exactly fuck with my plan, but I fucking love it. It's not, I definitely did not expect to have to do that scene from Monarch's point of view. But, like, yeah, mm-hmm. the idea of, like, He'd picked up the signals that I had been trying to drop throughout the mirror scene. He picked up like the slightly iffiness that I was trying to get Monarch to do with balance Mm -hmm. um, to basically, because I think I mentioned this before, at this point, Monarch was a a question mark entity for me. Like he had been offered the chance um, to join the Blissful Eclipse, but he needed his body reassembled, hence why Mm Dayton was helping him basically get some of the pieces in place and he started manipulating things to do that and I already knew that there was a conversation between Marnak and Kells or Marnak and, and Dacian or whatever works um, mm-hmm. so I already knew that Marnak would be trying to get himself reassembled and he was trying to get like uh, balance on side with like more power and more ideas and more this and more that and assessing how he is and because of the actions of Lafian, he ended up not going down the path where Dachin is, which is great because now he is on our side. <laughs> so that was like one of the moments that was like, oh, good, great. He's now taking a step towards like pushing Marnak down a good path. That's that's good. He's picked up all the signals I put down. I was very proud of mm-hmm. that. But it was like, well, fuck, what do I do now? <laughs> I, I do ask in your mind, did this moment like you as the DM in that moment where you're like, well, that's one chip in Dajin's corner for like who he's gonna, who Marnock is gonna side with, because Lafian literally just turned around and punched him in the mouth, just like, <laughs> hey, I'm gonna invite your, invite your memories and your um, privacy because I don't trust you anymore. No, it wasn't like a ha I'm now going further towards Dajin. It was always like a he was heading towards Dajin. There wasn't like an extra push towards it. Like that's not how that was. Mm-hmm. It was like, huh? How do I now start manipulating him to do stuff? Maybe I should pay attention to him and actually see what he's doing. Um, which is why Monarch is so quiet for so long yes Monarch goes quiet for such a long time that I remember when he spoke next I was like wait he was mad (laughs) oh right yeah shit Yeah, he goes he goes quiet for like 10 episodes or something it's crazy yeah he goes quiet for a while Um, like yeah yeah, like he offers Laffy the chance to not do this and not break his trust which is hilarious because he'd been trying to make him to do that to Ral but I wanted to play that cagey side and I was really glad that it got picked up but yeah 
It was it was good. Well played. Well played. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I I really like that. As a GM, oh, sorry, I, as a player, love fucking with standard spells and abilities and seeing how far I can push them. And I love having mm-hmm. it turn back on me because I just think it's fun. I, I thrive in that, so it makes me happy. Um, and yeah, like after listening to the episode and remembering the vision, mm-hmm. I can totally see where uh, Arch was coming from because you described like puppet strings controlling yep. him. And earlier, like Art says, like you threatened to take control. I was just like, you know, you got a really good point, yep. Arch. Like if you hadn't done this, you'd be a fool. Like yep. I would like not be a fool, but you would have missed the signs. It's like, yep. yeah, I, I like this scene. Yep. Um, but while the, the, the two boys are faffing around, uh, we've got Sultana uh, <laughs> hanging out claws. with Claws. I love the effect they'll put on Claws. <laughs> so what is that sound? Where is that sound coming from? Because I'm pretty sure it's not you licking your microphone. Oh, you it's mean... It's not you going... Yeah, that's, that's the it. sound. Oh, it's... And Neil puts and an effect then... on it. <laughs> and again, Neil puts an effect I, on it. So you don't hear the OG sounds because Neil puts effects on all of Claws because Claws is undead bear. <laughs> the same with Guardian. I don't know what Guardian's actual voice sounds like. And I'm glad nobody has gone back for ages. The same problem I have with the Spectre. I have no idea every single time I go to play a voice them what their voice sounds like because I can only hear the effects because that's the voice I associate with them. Claws is different yep. because Claws is a undead bear or an owlbear that I've had in the back of my brain for like day dot. So like <laughs> that voice I can do and then he'll put the effects on it. But the others, no idea. No idea whatsoever. <laughs> uh, and then uh, Sultana is like arguing with the Guardian and <laughs> the Guardian says something along the lines of like, where are your friends? And Sultana's like, I'll go rat's ass. Yep. Hmm. No, see, um, yeah, I, so I love Zoltana's I don't give enough of a shit, I think is comedy yeah. gold. And as soon as I thought that, I then heard the characters say, well, back in my day, we gave a shit. And I thought that was really funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it was. I, I love that scene because it's it's it starts out kind of funny. It yeah. starts humorous. But then seeing Zoltana go like, well, uh, I kind of like, well, I like, I like, I like, uh, Ralph. <laughs> I, I I like both. I, I don't know. I mean, like, I kind of need them. And just listening to Casey try to battle through Sultana's thoughts about yeah. what Sultana thinks about those two yeah. is very interesting because you can tell there's a small part of Casey who's like, they're my friends because I'm playing with them and they're my friends. But then you can hear Sultana go like, well, I have to hang out with them. Yeah. Well, um... <laughs> And you can tell, like, if 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 push came to shove, I think Sultana would beat the shit out of both of them, <laughs> at least at this point. And and they're still like, uh, like we know and love them as as bestest friends forever now. But like, mm-hmm. listening back to these episodes, especially these early episodes, I think it changes just before Squash turns up. Actually, there is still that really antagonistic nature between them. Like, yep. let's get the fuck out of here. I will kill you if yeah. you do this. I'd like to see you fucking try. Oh, you're all giving me a headache of peasants and stuff. Like, oh, of course I the best yeah. at this like we still see those really hard and gritty edges and they don't get along mm. and listening back to this now I'm like how did we get from there <laughs> it, why it, weren't they always friends <laughs> it is a little bit rough to listen yeah. to it because you do it, it's hard to tell where the character ends and where the players ends uh, <laughs> that's because, mentioned like, in this episode too yeah oh yeah yeah uh, <laughs> uh, Neil, Neil mentioned that that's close to yeah. the end yeah all right. Um. So, um, Sultana's talking to the guardian, and then the boys join, 
And uh, I liked like how forward Roll is. I'm pretty sure I've said this in every single fucking deal uh, <laughs> beyond the eclipse. I love how much no shit's given forward Roll is. He just walks yep. in like, all right, so what's the plan? Like, wh- where where are we going? What what do you want from us? <laughs> he, he's just like so fucking quick. Yep. Uh, it's on the point. Like, let's get the fuck out of here. Yeah. I'm done. I'm done. Are we and done? Then, Were we done? No. God damn it. <laughs> And then, uh, I don't remember what the setup for this was, but it's like, um, oh, was there like a, is there like, those those visions were just visions, right? Like, they were not like magical in nature. They're like, they're, they're, they're like, they're not actually visions. They're just like parlor, parlor tricks. Uh, and somebody says something along the lines of like, yeah, like, they're, like there's no dragons going to be in our apocalypse. Oh, it's because they're talking about um, Monarch's thing. Uh, yeah. Laffian brings it up. Yeah, he mentions like, oh, was there a a, a dragon in the last apocalypse? And Guardian goes, uh, what was it? Dragons have been involved in almost every apocalypse. <laughs> Casey just goes, Sultana's side-eyeing Raul. <laughs> yeah. And he was just, what? <laughs> yeah, that was it. such, it's such a, like a sat up <laughs> comic routine. Like, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know. There's some actually uh, genuinely like gold banter in this. I I, I know I know yeah. it can be rough to listen to because they still haven't like gelled as a, a team yet. But like listening to some of this early friction, I'm like oh yeah, I've forgotten how funny this shit is. <laughs> it's 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 quite funny. Uh, like then you have like a scene a little bit later when the um, when the guys cobble together plan. We have to find the seven items and put them on the yeah f- uh, stance. And Sultan is like, wait, if I have to pick up, if I pick up something, am I going to get like a voice in my head? I don't want a voice in my head. <laughs> 30, 40 episodes. Like, yeah, sure. Jump on in, Inverno. <laughs> yep. Uh, 10 episodes from now. Hey, uh, sword boy. Oh, yeah. I'm Calamon. Yep. So yeah, that happens. And then uh, as they're about to leave um, the the dungeon after they've gotten all the information they can get from Guardian, yeah. Um, so was talking about like, oh, we don't have to save the world, you know, guys. Like we can just like make this somebody yep. else's business and we can fuck off. And <laughs> Raul's just like, well, we can't do that. We got the mind leak thing. Like, what about Caden? Sultan says something along the lines of like, yeah, I'll take care of Caden. I've got a plan. <laughs> and Raul instantly goes. I will kill you. <laughs> and it's so fucking like raw and quick. I'm just sitting there like, wait, Sultana, wasn't your f- best friend Raul earlier? What is happening in this group? <laughs> well, the thing is, like, as far as I as at first I, I understand, and I actually picked it up as like, don't worry, I'll take care of Caden, he'll be fine. I didn't pick up like, mm-hmm. I'll take care of Caden. Like, yep. I did think yeah. that was the result, but I think something in round just snapped instantly of defensiveness. Like, no, 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 no. This is my buddy. Don't you dare hurt him. Don't you fucking dare. Like, I think, I don't know what was happening in there, but I, I read it as like, yeah, I'll, I'll look after him. Don't worry. I've got a plan. Like, this is chill. Um, Sultan is the only one like out and out and about proud murderer in the group. Yep, so it, it's not crazy is, yeah. that Ra- yeah, it's not crazy that Raul would have that imp- uh, impression. Yeah, and I, I so think it's like, it's it's interesting that somebody brought it up. Um, like, hey, we could just leave. Because that was always a tiny bit of a fear in the back of my brain. What if they leave? Mm-hmm. 
well, I'll figure it out and I'll I'll shove the plot at them somehow. I'll, I'll make it work. <laughs> I'll figure it out. And if we become murder hobos, then that's not the podcast for me. Um, but even if we'd gone a completely different route and we left uh, Lindrum behind and like Caden was, you know, dealt with, whatever that meant, um, I, he got a better job somewhere else that wasn't working for Lindrum. <laughs> like we just go in a different path and we just attack the apocalypse from a different way because the apocalypse would still happen. <laughs> like there'd just be a shit ton more dead gods. <laughs> yep. Oh, that, that that would have been an interesting side story or an like, alternative story. Yeah, it's it's definitely um a direction that I was like I don't want it to go in this direction because it's a little harder for me to make sure we hit the right story beats to actually get to a point rather than just murder mm-hmm. hobo our way around. Um but um I'm glad it was brought up because it, it definitely should have been. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like hey guys, technically we're free. Technically we can yeah. uh, fuck off. I'm like great. I'm great someone brought it up. <laughs> Yeah, because I think they meet up with um, um, Demi again, and she pu- pushes them in the correct direction. Yep. But it might be that they go to Lindren. I don't remember exactly. I, I but, don't yeah, 100% basically by reporting... remember. I know what's in my notes, and I know what's <laughs> in my notes did not happen, because that's quite frequent ah. with my notes. It's because I'll write them, I'll look at them, and then not look at them for the rest of the session, unless there's something really specific that has to be done. Um, and if it really has to be done, I'll probably remember it. <laughs> So yeah, there's some things in my notes that are definitely not up to date, but there are also things in my notes like Brugrim is going to try and kill Laffian. I never pick up that note uh-huh. again. I never run with it. <laughs> I write it down, but I never run with it. <laughs> yeah, so the 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 team uh reaches the kind of fourfold area. Yeah. Um and I liked Ral's, like, he's still like, yeah, I've got bad blood with a lot of people. Like, you guys yep. should not be hanging out with me. You're just drawing attention to me, and it's going to be even harder for me to hide. <laughs> uh, but they find a place to uh, lay down and where, where they f- find Bogrim. Yep. They go to Bogrim's, like, uh, room. Yeah. Yeah. And just a little funny interaction that I really liked that 4905 uh, Balance, like, throws himself on a couch, and Arch goes... Uh, I tried something and I got burned for it. <laughs> was <good>. like, <laughs> he set himself on fire using his brain. So I thought it just quickly, what? And I missed that? God damn it. <laughs> the, the three of them are just jiving so good in that episode. They're so like picky on each other. It's fantastic. Yep. Um, uh, so uh, you want to guess where the beanbag chair came from? Uh, I think you've told me. But it, it was new. It is it's because... 100% new. <laughs> Neil didn't think he would have a normal chair in Bogren's place because obviously he has a tail. <laughs> yep. So he was like, can I have a beanbag chair? I'm like, no, of course you can't have. That's ridiculous. And then I put it in the episode anyway because I thought it was funny. <laughs> I, I've, I've always assumed that any area that deals with a lot of lizard men and tabaxi and uh dragonborn mm-hmm. they just have chairs with like open sides you know yeah. like they just get them stools yeah <laughs> like, but of course that's just not a thing on discord because yeah. we don't yeah. have any races with tails um nope. it's no dragonborn no tabaxi no lizard men no yuanti in whatever forms they have like we just don't have that over there um yeah. we would have adaptions for um halflings and gnomes but there wouldn't be adaptions mm-hmm. for folks with tails um so you can probably like if you want an architectural difference between the two is like everything over in kina is probably stools and everything over in discora is probably like high-backed chairs or some shit yeah um yeah yeah <laughs> 
And uh, I, f- I found it very interesting. So Bogram and Raul are meeting for the first time, Oof. basically. Uh, uh, yeah, they met briefly before, but I forgotten what Bogram's voice and accent was 100%. And I just mm-hmm. didn't say much because I was trying to hide it. <laughs> And then yeah. I had time to go listen to the episodes with Bogram in it. I went back through my, my old files just to pick up those lines. And then I felt more comfortable talking to him. But yeah, like this is the first time they actually get to talk. <sighs> I have feelings. <laughs> I have less memories, more feelings. <laughs> mm. Okay, so let me open it up with the first, like what I like caught my ear the, fir- the first time I was listening through it. So Raul and Bogram, they're talking about AIMA and about things. And... Raul decides to ask Bogrim, like, what was your last interaction with Ama? Like, what, what, what was going on? And he says, "Oh, I got this letter from Ama, um, saying that th- she might have fucked up." And then you quickly say, "Wait, should we be talking about the, the, this? There are two other people in this room." <laughs> was huh? that you realizing there was no such letter in existence? No, the letter was in existence. Oh, okay. It was actually like Ama who lured Bogram because she had figured out what had happened. She'd figured out who Bogram uh, was and she wanted to confront him. And she was basically laying a trap, but Bogram had also figured out that she was laying a trap for him and already had had orders that he needed to kill her. So it was yeah. like, shit. I So the letter is real. It's 100% real. Okay. Always was. Okay. So from my point of view, I assumed that letter was not real. Mm-hmm. And that was you realizing, wait, I just gave Laffian a power to look back on items. He had he no side points. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't matter. He'll just ask for the ladder and do it tomorrow. Like, yeah, but the, he's not going to have... Maybe he would have held on to the letter. I honestly don't remember what we did with the letter, if it ever physically I, I think, turned up. I don't I remember. I think it pops up later, but I, I have a vague oh, memory they're, of like, it. I'm not the, sure. The letter is shown through Amos' eyes again at some point. Mm. Um Ah, okay, well, I don't cool. think we physically ever see the letterer, uh, but I might be wrong. I don't really remember. This was like five years ago. Okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, in that scene, we get the like real like ten episodes in, and we get a real explanation for why Raoul was in prison, like yeah. a like a beat for beat explanation. Raoul's mate, Ama, had been murdered uh, along with another human. Correct, with a human, yeah. A human named yep. Grisham yep. who ran the apothecary, yep. which had and a pun name, but I don't remember. I think it was called Flasking for it. <laughs> I'm going to go look okay. because I think I, I know I made a pun name out of it because I always think pun names for that kind of stuff is just really funny. And I'm pretty sure I did that. That feels like something I would have done. Well, yeah. Uh, so, Ama and this uh, alchemist are. Or Grisham. Grisham. I think it's Grisham, Grisham. for him and Grishuk for something in Squash's backstory. Yeah, Grisham uh, and Ama are murdered in their bed uh, with acid. And when Raoul walks in, he falls unconscious. Yep. And that's the uh, in-game explanation for why Raoul ends up in prison. And I find it kind of interesting that Bolgrim never visited him and Raoul never questioned him about it. Yeah. Because I think uh, Raul, like Bogram says something along the lines of like, yeah, I, I can't believe like that happened. Like, it, it, like so you just walk in and you fall unconscious. And Raul's like, yeah. Why did you never say something? It's it's That is genuinely the first time Raul and Bogram are having a conversation about Amos murder and the reason yeah. why he's in prison. Like, And I'm sitting there like, I know why Bogram never visited. He was dying of guilt. Yeah. But um, and it's also easy to play off of like if he never spoke with Rao, which he didn't actually get the chance to do. He didn't get the chance to, you know, 
like the ultimate plan being that he turns up a little bit later, like with the alibi of like, oh yeah, I'm turning up. He manages to speak with Raoul and get him to one side and like become even closer buddy so that the ultimate betrayal is hard. Like that's the whole point of the the cult of the brokenhearted is to betray someone mm-hmm. in such a way that you will break their heart, which is enough to access the mirror. Like that's the whole point. And mm-hmm. his plan was to go do that, but he was interrupted by the law because he needed to be in jail. <laughs> so he went to jail and Neil had mentioned that Bogrim had never visited him because um, Bogrim was a creation of Raoul, um, give or take a creation of Raoul, um, of Neil, really? sorry. Um, yeah. So, like, I had to have a reason and a very easy reason is, like, if he never spoke to Raoul at all, it's very easy to play off of, like, well, maybe Bogrim thinks he's guilty in a way. Yep. Maybe, like, he could deny it to himself all he wants, but the evidence is pretty strong. There are lovers in a bed. They were melted by acid. Rao was there and passes out. He knows Rao gets like that. Exactly, like, you know, full of acid and then passes out at high emotional terminal. Like, it's very easy for Bogram to believe the idea, the fiction that, hey, he's the one that killed them. He just could never, in his heart, believe that Eamon was having a fling with this alchemist. I'm like, well, yeah, of course he can't believe it. He murdered them. <laughs> That's yeah. not really the point. He, he could play that if need be. Um, so it was kind of like a good a good reason that I could have is that he never visited because he may have thought he was guilty. Um, so like that's a very easy thing to play off. And it had only been a year. Like that's that's a good enough not to go visit him, I think. Yeah. Uh, and they uh, talk about their interaction a little bit more and close to the end of the kind of... Um, uh, conversation about Amos' murder. Uh, Fulcrum says something along the lines of she only ever had eyes for you. Mm-hmm. That is such a good sentence in retrospect. Like when Fulcrum's going like, no, I don't believe that she was cheating. I think it was a whole, all like a setup. I believe that 100%. Yeah. She only ever had eyes for you. And that's like, oh, Fulcrum. Fulcrum, Fulcrum, Fulcrum. I think, I think I, I might be missed. I'm actually going to check my notes because... Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure that like the the letter that set Bogram up to go meet with Amos so that Bo- so that Amos could confront Bogram about being part of the cult of the broken hearted um, and doing all these mm-hmm. shitty things to make something bigger happen. I am pretty sure I had written in my notes that hey, this letter contains this, that, and the other. She does something that gives herself away, and I'm pretty sure that I decided the thing that gave her away is that she was not exactly hitting on Bogram, but she was acknowledging feelings that weren't there. And Bogram knows us ah. to be bullshit. Because he uh, knows Ama. He knows that he he'd never have a chance with her. Like, even if, you know, you know, what Raoul was breaking basically saying, like, I don't give a shit if she sleeps with people. I love her and I want her to be happy. Um, like, even should Raoul die, Ama would never have been with Bogram. They may have been really close friends, but he knew that he'd never have a chance because they mate mm-hmm. for life. Um, at least that's how my brain sees it. Um yeah. So yeah, like she she stumbled. I'm gonna find the letter because I'm pretty sure I'd written that in there. Let me just you t- you ask questions. I'll see what I can do. Uh, well, I I really enjoyed that little sentence. I think it was good, and I look forward to hearing <laughs> what you know to say. Uh, and <clears throat> I don't know why, but I find it kind of funny that Sultana just instantly go like, "Eh, that sounds about right." Yeah, well, you're you're innocent. I believe you. There's something about that, like, like, dude, ten minutes ago, the guy threatened to murder you. Like, <laughs> you're you're. Very strange, my friend. <laughs> but no, like I, I, I get it. Like they're they're playing characters. They're moving through a lot of scenes very quickly, and yeah, yeah it would be kind of hard to recover from. I think you're lying. You're a wife murderer, <laughs> <laughs> uh, especially with, with like uh, 
Sultana shouldn't throw that name of uh, that kind of a phrase around easily, like as somebody yeah. suffering. Yeah, um, I found the letter. I found the letter because okay. I wrote all the letters because I had to every time we, like, further in the future, we do some flashbacks. Like, the, the ability mm-hmm. comes in hard and we do some flashbacks to actually figure out, like, and learn more about it. So I, every time I said something, I had to write it in, per, like, verbatim so I didn't fuck it up later in the future. And that involved a lot of me going back through all my old recordings to pick out some of the shit. But yeah, mm-hmm. um, the letter she sent was, Fate Forger, I have something to tell you, something I have to admit. That thing we don't talk about, that thing we don't admit because we are just friends, inverted commas. I know you know what I mean, and I've been putting it off because of Shadow, but I cannot anymore. I need to see you. Meet me today at the house. Raul cannot know. Firestorm. Like, So that's not even close to what um, Bogram said was in the letter. So nope. that letter doesn't exist, the one that Bogram was talking the about. The one that Bogram's talking about, what he says is in it, is a lie. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> but yeah, an actual letter exists. Um, yeah, yeah, and that's that's why I like that's why I assume in the moment five years ago V went like, <laughs> no, 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 but why? What about those two fuckers? Because you knew <laughs> if Lafian asked for that piece of paper, it didn't exist, and Bokum going like, yeah, I burnt it. Oh no, uh, I because of reasons. Yeah, like I yeah, <laughs> I, I burnt it, or I would have let them have it. Like I would have yeah, like, just it, written something and just dealt with the consequences. <laughs> But that's a, that's a very interesting headcanon. I don't think that ever gets like really outright spoken that the that uh, Ama like I think it gets spoken that Ama had figured Bolkrum out, but yep. we never know why or how Bolkrum figured Ama out yep. because nobody nope. ever wants to know Bolkrum's side of the story. No, nobody ever wants to know Paul Bolkrum's side of the story. Um, alas, alas, Paul Bolkrum. Um, yeah, like nobody wants to know his side of the story. But yeah, I had a reasons why he had rumbled her, and other than the fact he was literally ordered to do it, which he was on the precipice mm-hmm. of not. Um, she rumbled what he was up to, which would have completely ruined all the plans that they had had. Um, so yeah, it ended up being like I could I could offer Al, I could break the orders and still make this work, but she's figured it out, so it doesn't work anyway. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so yeah, I I had plans on like how and why all these things were. Like I had a a vague idea, hit for hit, what had happened, but not like the specific mm-hmm. wordings or phrasings because that's just not how my brain works. Until my mouth no. opens, it's not real. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. So everything in my law and so much in the world law history has changed <laughs> because of things we've discovered and things we've learned and things that work for the story. Like things change. I'm not afraid of changing my notes later to make things work. But yeah. Uh, as they are cho- talking, um, Lafian, uh, sorry, Balance decides, oh, I want to p- turn on my aura side and I want to uh, feel out Bokrim. Eternally, I panic. I'm like, shit. Instantly, V starts coughing, then asks <laughs> more info on what aura side does. <laughs> oh, so I was actually legitimately drinking and I just, I, as I said, I was sick yeah? um, and I can yeah. hear it. And I was genuinely coughing through a lot of that recording. I think that's that kind of just snuck itself and stayed in because the next words I say are still infected by the cough. So it needs to have the cough uh, there to explain yeah. why it sounds so weird. Um, yeah, it, I was actually genuinely drinking. I was genuinely sick. Um, so there was there was that bullshit. whole thing. <laughs> In that moment, you took a swig and Arch went like, bullshit, uh, poker's full of shit. And you're like, what do you mean? Uh, what do you mean you're doing RSI? Tell me more. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, that was that was a cool move. I appreciate because yeah. um, I think I mentioned this before. Like, I try not to look too much at your specific character sheets um, mm-hmm. unless I need to know 
Do you have a spell? Do you have a way uh, or an ability that directly counters this so that you can get out of this if need be? Because it's harsh. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. There are some harsh things. I'm like, no, this needs to happen for story. But sometimes like you should have the ability to win and not be fucked over for a story reason. So that's the only time I really check out character sheets or if I'm unsure how a certain spell works or something that you've been using a lot or ability that you've been using a lot and I don't understand. So when it was like, oh, yeah, I have Aura Star, I'm like... Okay, what's that do? I can see the people's auras to see basically this, that, the other. Fuck! <laughs> oh, programs full of shit. I rolled a 13. Oh, thank Christ. Oh, thank Christ. <laughs> I would have rolled Although, with it, but like I was so glad yeah. that wasn't a really high success rate. So it means that I could hide a lot of things I wanted to hide, but I could still mm-hmm. give out information I wanted. Like, Bogram loved Ama. I can start dropping those bits in there like really easily mm-hmm. now. I can start adding in like, yeah, there is something he's holding back. It's emotions about how he felt and he would never have told Rao that and probably still doesn't much. Um, but like also, yeah, he's lying about a big portion of shit here. <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> so I, I was uh, glad he was didn't get above asked... what I'd put him down. So yeah. It was when you asked him like, what does Aura Sight do? And then at some point you go like, all right, you don't have any side points to enhance your aura vision or something like that. (laughs) In that moment, as like a future listener coming back, I'm like, it's so obvious what we just, like, you cough, you're like, what the fuck do you mean? And then you're like, wait, you can't do your good one? All right, yeah, okay. And then you sound cool after that. And it's like, how did nobody pick up on this? So uh, quite, uh, you'll catch me doing this a lot. It's like, can you read that ability out for me? And that's for two reasons. One, that's for the audience to know what the fuck you're talking about. Like, I'm going to yeah. do Aura Sight. What does that even mean? Secondarily, mm-hmm. I don't always know what that means, even though sometimes mm-hmm. when I call for it, I absolutely do. But it's a really good way for me to look through my notes and figure stuff out. Like, how am I going to play this? What am I going to do? You're explaining an ability. I really only need to listen to it for a few keywords for like, can look into the past. It does this, does that. Like all the flowery text that um, Wizards of Coast putting on spells. I don't need that. I just need to know exactly how this works. So whenever I write spells for Yarl, uh, it's really basic shit. Like there's no flowery language in English. I can't can't be asked and I'm really bad at this stuff um, so quite a lot I'll ask for that because it gives me time to think over what it is that I'm going to do and I didn't know what Aura Sight did I only need the key ideas I'm like okay how am I going to play this because if he can see if Bogram is lying one way or another or he can see his emotions what do I say and what can I hide based on what it's a 13 oh I can give you everything except the juicy shit great <laughs> so yeah, yeah. quite often I'll ask for stuff and I'm actually thinking <laughs> Yeah. And uh, then Neil goes on to t- explain to Bogram, like, oh, yeah, I met my specter. I went to the stalking plane. <laughs> and Bogram goes, like, stalking plane? Uh, what? <laughs> the stalking plane? No, specters. What the bloody hell specters? are those? Or oh, something going on those lines. I'm just like, yeah. I am full of shit. I know I am. <laughs> in this moment, did you know that Bogram had in the past gone into the stalking? Yes. To really? That was a tiny golf clap because I am quite impressed. Because when I heard, like, when I was listening, my assumption was just like, oh, yeah, okay, well, like, Raul is telling Bogram about some spooky shit. Like, yeah, whatever. Like, uh, I thought genuinely in that moment you you hadn't planned Bogram that much out. Yep. 
Uh, so I had to plan Bogram out a lot because I had to know how he was associated with the cult. Because, for example, if they actually did rumble him early, I needed him to explain what the cult of the brokenhearted was. I needed him to go, mm-hmm. the cult of the brokenhearted started because of this. And then there's these factions that do all these different things. And this specific cult is to do with getting into the mirror. But now that I've told you, I'm not sure that this is going to work anymore, which I hadn't figured it at the time, but I figured out afterwards actually it's genius <laughs> because if the person they're setting up isn't the one that ends up being broken hard because they broke the rules the person who did the setting up is broken hearted so there's mm-hmm. always someone to activate the mirror and i hadn't figured out how clever that was until much later in the story um but at that time old version of v was just like yeah i need to explain what the cult of the broken heart is that they need to know so i need to know how he got involved what sort of things he's done why he moved to Fowson when he used to live in hearts half like i had to mm-hmm. figure out all the big brush strokes for Bogrim to be able to function um, because if something did go wrong and Lafian immediately like hey I'm going to be your inquisitor and I'm going to solve the murder and he actually did I needed to explain everything um, I needed to have everything ready to go um, because if we did it towards the end of a recording session after three episodes I can be like alright and that's the end of the episode I'm really tired I'm going to bed if it's the beginning of an episode I don't like doing that <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't like fudging myself around. Um, so I didn't know that he had interacted with the Ixnar of Surprise or that he'd lost um, Lohir. I just knew that he had gone to the stalking, he had found something in particular, um, and he'd, you know, he'd done this, that, and the other, and he'd lost someone. Um, I didn't yeah. know any of the brushstrokes that were in Bogren's backstory. I didn't know any of the particulars of certain things. I just knew the big brushstrokes and one was like he went to the stalking to go get a thing to do a certain other thing. Um, so I had those big brushstrokes in there. So um, around this time, uh, Bogren mentioned that like, yeah, the house is still there and blah, blah, blah. And Laffian gets super excited. Yeah. Super duper excited. Did you as a DM see that coming? No. Did you realize I was, that you had said... I, I, to be honest, until like, they were like, oh, it's the house still there. It was, at then I just instantly went, of course Bogram would have looked after the house. Oh, did anything change in there? No, I left it as it is, as a shrine to Ama and all the shit. Huh, did you change the locks? No. Can I go there? I don't own the house. That's Rao's home. He gets to decide. Nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> that was all improv. I don't know why I decided that program like looked after the house. I have no idea. <laughs> but yeah, like the idea of them going back to the house and it being as it is is a natural like, yeah, of course Bogram would have looked after the house. So yeah. yeah, clearly that's yes is the answer. Like he's that sort of friend. He would have done that. And also he cared deeply about him and was very upset and guilty. Um like mm-hmm. there are all those things. And then when the answer is like staring him in the face of like, well, I'm gonna go back and look in the past, I'm like, well, fuck, I need to figure something out, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I already knew the big brushstrokes of what had happened, just not the specific details. So I was like, ah, I'll wing it. I'll figure it out. So, so that was not intentional. You did not, <laughs> like, you did not put a <laughs> private investigator in the team and then give <sighs> one of the characters a murder mystery. Nope. That's not what happened? Nope, because the characters were developed independently of each other. So I worked with Raoul. Oh, sorry, I worked with... <laughs> my God, Neil. I have worked with Neil 
a lot um, on Rao, like different ideas and different thought processes. And I, he, you know, we were very like, Rao doesn't know what happened and that left me free and he trusted me to go to one and did to do with that. Um, mm-hmm. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry about Bogram. <laughs> he had one friend and I fucked him over other than Caden. Um, and then independent of that, completely independently, um, Arch made Lafian, who was an investigator who did this and who did that. I'm like, yeah, like that makes sense. Like, okay, I'll develop that character. And like, just because I have a murder mystery and a PI on the same team, I'm like, ah, they can solve each other's mysteries. I'm like, oh God, no, I don't want this. But ah, I'll figure it out. Like, again, like I try and keep my plans fairly fluid in case there are big changes. Um, but as it is, I think they investigated a little bit here and there. Um, it wasn't a focus. Mm-hmm. So if it's a focus, it'd been a very different story. But as it was, it was very much to the side of the main missions that they were doing. Um, and it gave me a bit more time to flesh things out in the background too. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't remember it uh, perfectly, but as we go through the episodes, we'll see. Yeah. I always felt like Ama's murder was a bit of a cold case. I don't yeah. feel like they had a lot to work with. Like it, there wasn't like there was like this hot clue, like in Ama's uh, poison bed, there was a matchbook from the bar. It was like it wasn't like <laughs> well, that. No, it was just like such a cheesy clue. Like I don't really. have that. That's ridiculous. That's a that's a storytelling plot thing. Like there's no other reason that for that. Classic. Yes, it is a classic, but yeah, like I had to be like very particular in what the murder was and how it was done. Um mm. so that I could be like, yeah, so this guy was framed, they would get the acid somehow, like Bogram could get it from um Rao really easily. The the flasking guy could have gotten it. Um I, I did check it up. The name of the shop was flasking for it. I'm a genius and I remember this. Um so yeah, like I had to actually figure out most of the steps to make this work. So yeah. Uh, yeah, so um, Bogren gets like real f- defensive when Lafian's like, "I can investigate this for you." Oh, Is that, that was when like you a... wrote on the. Yep, that was a godsend. Like, I am an inquisitor. Oh God, I don't want the cops here. Fuck, fuck. <sighs> he can see into my past. Fuck, I don't want any of this. Get the fuck out of here. Why'd you bring a cop here to an underground fighting ring? I have a perfect out for getting him out. Like, yeah, it was it was a godsend that that was mentioned at the moment. I found it quite funny when you're like, um, like, oh, uh, now that Lafian looks back at Bogram, you can see his aura has changed to this kind of like defensive. <laughs> you're looking for a word that doesn't sound like suspicious or scared. <laughs> yeah. And Arch just goes like, eh, problem with authority. And you're like, yeah, yeah. Thank you, Arch, yeah, for giving me a word. You. Yeah. <laughs> uh, good. And. And I found it fun, like, Volcom just going like, ah, get the cop out of here, man. Uh, and is that another time you wrote down the little note? Bogram tries to kill Lafian. Yeah, that's when I wrote that note. I, I never acted on it. I literally never set any plans up from Bogram to kill Lafian at all. Mm-hmm. Like, I never did any of that. I just found that going back through my notes now. I'm like, oh, yeah, that was a plan. I didn't do it, but that was a plan. <laughs> I think you may have never acted on it because the case goes cold quite early. Like, yes. Uh, like it, it is, it is like a genuinely cold case. Like, yeah, it's only a year old, but like it's on the surface a really shut and closed case. And, you know, okay. uh, what hurt me listening back to this is Raoul trying to figure out why someone would kill Ama and he blames himself. Like there's something I did here that meant Ama was killed because they're too scared to come fight me. And like, has anything changed here in the fourfold as a result of me not being here anymore? And the answer is 
no, because it had nothing to do with it. And listening back, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I understand why people are so pissed because y'all listen to it like in a very condensed area. Whereas obviously we record and have the story told over like at this point years. So like I can understand why y'all are really angry at Pogrom. Like listening back to this episode is so hard. I'm like, and I remember knowing, like, I remember being really nervous doing the whole way through this because I'm like, I'm going to have to lie through my back teeth without blatantly lying sometimes. Like, I have to be able to twist yeah. the truth a little bit, but the lies are there and I'm listening to every single one and internally I'm cringing. I'm like, oh God, I'm so sorry. And he goes along with your idea a little bit and oh my God, and I know he's going to give you a false lead. I'm so sorry. Oh, my poor baby. Um, what an asshole. Um <laughs> absolute terror and it is really really heart-wrenching to listen to yeah. uh, Raul talk like that and it's it's even more annoying that Bokram goes like oh yeah and then later he goes like well there was that one kid remember and <laughs> yeah. meanwhile I'm sitting there like blame it on her espionage <laughs> like she made powerful enemies Dude, I, I know like, oh. I know it's dumb and I know that's something I could have done, but there's always mm-hmm. a part of me that would have Bogram try and protect her reputation from that because yeah. she did a lot yeah. of that. Like the very first episode we meet Rao, she's sending them on a weird espionage mission. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, part of it so that she can sneak Rao's birthday present into the house, but like it, it is a weird espionage thing and a part of him like wouldn't want that exposed because it's so mm-hmm. obvious that Emma was not sleeping with uh, with Grisham. Like that was really obvious. Yeah. So like that was never going to be a stain on her her reputation. But like, yeah, there's a part of me that Bogram is always really protective of Amos still, even though he killed her. It's so weird. Poor boy. He's doing he's doing his best to do to work for the greater good. Um, but like he just he's lost everything. I feel so sorry for him. I mean, he's an asshole, and I'm such a dick the whole way through this goddamn recording, right up to 123 or whatever the fucking episode is. Oh. It's just, uh, I can see what you mean. Like, Bolgrim, in his mind, he's like, oh, well, nobody buys that Emma cheated, even though everybody buys it. Um, Like, the people who knew her wouldn't buy this. Yeah. Uh, And then he's like, well, okay, um, what else could possibly have killed her well there's the espionage thing well i don't want to like damage her image sure it's just a raw thing right like we can just make that work like <laughs> he, i've already yeah. ruined his life like irrevocable <laughs> yeah but also like looking at her espionage would also like this is me retro thinking but like yeah that would also have led to her investigation of the cult and he couldn't have that hmm. so. true true yeah, so it all it all fits in place. That's my retro brain. Uh, that's not what I was mm-hmm. thinking at the time, but I know thinking at the time, I was like, oh shit, someone can out me. Oh my God, you mentioned that you're an inquisitor. Fantastic, get the fuck out of here. Mm-hmm. I will come up with someone to blame. Oh yeah, I'm so good at this. And then I was like, oh God, I feel so nervous because they can just catch me on a lie really easily and I'm so scared. Every time they interact with Bogram, I'm genuinely nervous. It's, I hate it. Yeah, the two of them have this just really long conversation, and it like Sweet. it genuinely feels a, like a old friendship yeah. being like kind of picked at. Like there's like yeah. a scab over the surface of two friends that haven't met in a long time, and they're just. I, th- I away. think I think a lot of that comes down to Neil actually, um, because around the others, he's really stilted, he's really aggressive, he's to the point, but he chooses to immediately come in, be relaxed, 
and talk to Bogram like a friend. Like we see a side that we don't have never seen of Ral up until this point. And it's yeah. that warmth is down to Neil. Um, that's that yeah. character change. And I, I adore that. Um, it's one of the reasons I adore playing with Neil. Um, he can play multifaceted characters. They're also really funny. <laughs> He's really quippy as Ral and I love it. Um, but yeah, like it's one of the things I actually adore about like role playing with Neil a lot. Like... Everyone has like their strengths, but one of those is like being able to have like those intense emotional things with Neil. And I love the shit out of it. No. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Remind me to never play a character that y'all get get very attached to who is just betraying you all. I'm so sorry. Any other story we're gonna play, basically as soon as you introduce a friend, I'm just gonna start blasting. <laughs> And then I started blasting. Um, no, no. I mean, there there are ways, and I thought about like other ways that I could like have other characters portray y'all. But I think we're so far through, at least in where we're recorded, that that would be really randomly sh- like shoehorned in, or it has to be someone pretending to be them for there to be like a betrayal now. So I think oh, yeah. I don't. I like. I'm not nervous about playing any of the characters other than the ones that could legitimately kill you all. Um, other than that, I'm not nervous about playing any of the others because everything is out and out with Bogram. I don't have to worry about constantly lying and covering my own ass, which is exactly what Bogram is feeling, and I hate it. <laughs> I wonder why you singled out, I don't hate playing any character except those who could actually kill you anymore. Yeah. I wonder why you phrased it exactly <laughs> like that. Hmm. As we record episode two... 30 I, I'm not gonna drop- something... <laughs> Yeah, when you guys get there, you'll see why we is mentioning this specifically. Yeah, two thirty-four. Yeah, something like that. Um, we're, I think we're further than that, but yeah, like I just, yeah, there's there's something that always makes my stomach drop when you interact with Dayton in any way, shape, or form. Yeah. Um, like it generally makes my heart like just pound in my chest, even if they're just conversating, even if he's just conversating with somebody else, and you guys are in the area and you're over listening, anything like that, like. The idea of Dayton being anywhere near you folks and you do anything slightly to annoy him or like I go off on one as Demi and I have no choice but to to kill her. Like everything around Dayton makes me nervous because there's no reason for me not to pull that trigger. Um, there are a couple of reasons why I might hold back and I try and stick to those if I can. But if I can't come up with a reason, we know he has access to much, much more powerful magic. Y'all are dead and I can't not do that. I hate yeah. it. He makes me nervous. <laughs> Quite so. <laughs> yeah. So, um, Raul and uh, Bokram have this like really intense conversation and they kind of just kick Laffian out, uh, Balance. <laughs> yeah. And Balance just kind of wanders his ass over to a bar. Yep. To the monastery down. upstairs. Yeah. Yeah. Has a nice little conversation with uh, the barmaid. Yes. Emily and Colin. Um, so I don't remember if I mentioned this last time, um, but Emily and Colin are very closely related to Thirsty and I. Um, there's a there's a reason they have um, certain personality quirks and certain names. So and also why we have Jim at the bar um, that very much belongs to Thirsty and I as a little nod towards our our own little kind of like uh, um, home game in world metaverse bullshit. That's just a tiny little nod to them. Um, yeah. When you said Jim at the bar, I heard Jens the first time, and oh, I had to like no. go back. Like, no way! <laughs> That's she Jens's ultimate that. form. <laughs> Just Jim at the bar. Yeah. No, Jens wasn't even like a twinkle in my eye at that nah. point. Like, yeah. 
Yeah, and then um, Sultana and Raul join uh, Lafayette at the bar. And they're kind of sitting there chatting, and then through the door struts a very angry (laughs) Caden. Yeah. And in that moment, I'm like, oh, he's mad because uh, they hurt him, and uh, he probably dropped something precious or something. This is going to be a humorous moment. And they go like, oh, uh, uh, don't come in here. We'll talk to you outside. We don't want to like get I love roused. the thing with uh, like the miming. And then Sultana like, I'm going to use the mind link. <laughs> dying of laughter at the table. <laughs> I do think it's funny that Arch gets a little like, like, hey, hey, I am a master of psionics. I know how to do mind. <laughs> Shut up. I forgot. Yeah, that's funny. That's quite funny. Uh, but yeah, he turns around and then they go outside to meet him. And he's like, they're like, oh, we we have a big plan and we're going to have to figure everything out. Uh, so we're just going to stay at your place tonight. And he just instantly go like, you guys, uh, what was it? You are not welcome in my home anymore. Yep. I was just like, oh. And then you say, like, I saw those visions. And in that moment, I'm like, okay, Caden knows what those visions were. Yep. I think maybe in this moment, the other three are like, what did he mean? Saw those wishes? Because mm-hmm. I I stand by it. I think because the reaction from everybody when they saw the visions, nobody went like, did you guys see this? Uh, did you see uh, 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 an elven lady? Did you see uh, a dwarf begging? Did you see a boy being beaten? Yeah, None but they also asked. didn't really share their mirror scenes either. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and true, they were true. quite significant. It's like, did you see those things in the mirror? Yeah, I saw my destiny or my future or something. Like, so Tana is on like comedy gold of straightforwardness in this episode. Like, Casey, you're on point, mate. <laughs> but yeah, uh, and that's about the end of the episode. Yep, we uh, end on the cliffhanger of Caden saying, get the fuck outside, we need to talk. I found you somewhere yeah. not my home with my daughter in it to stay. You murdering dad. <laughs> not quite along those lines, but... <laughs> I found that quite quite a fitting ending. It's it's yeah. setting up the next episode and setting up Caden not trusting them because Caden's mm-hmm. now like, all right, I knew Ral wasn't a bad person. I guess I was slightly wrong. I thought, it, oh my god! Like I know, I know Zoltan. Zoltan is a murderer. I heard that Lafian is a murderer. I don't think Ral killed like Ama. Oh, Ral killed someone. Mm. <laughs> oh, <laughs> like no. Caden, I think knows what happened. I don't remember exactly what happens after this. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just blended in the background somewhere. I think there's something to do with Caden and him talking about the loss of his wife, um, asking them not to talk to Katalis about it. And I think they go and hang out with Demi for like five minutes. I, like I don't remember the next episode at all. <laughs> yeah. We'll get into it when we get into it. Yeah, we'll get there but if we get there. All right. Let's 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 see if there's anything in here that we've missed in my notes. Uh, shout out to Ral's fear of being underground at the very beginning part. Like he's always like, I need to get yeah. out of here. I'm getting out of here. It's it's underplayed or rather it's not picked up massively. I don't think by anyone other than me because I know what I'm looking for. <laughs> but like, yeah, yeah, he's really thought about not wanting to be down here and we should thank him for no longer harping on it because he's just trying his goddamn best. Um, 
I love you. You can get. He harps on it a lot harder later. Later, yeah. he like I think it's something like yeah. Rao goes like, "Why is it always, always. underground?" Yeah, <laughs> and that's when the team just goes like, "What are you talking about, buddy?" Do you want to know why it's almost always underground? Why? Because you can't see the railroads. So if you're going through a dungeon, right? You have a trap and you have a boulder and you have something that has to be passed over and you have a fight and then you have a corridor and then you have a fight. You as the DM control this very confined space. You can split the pathways if you like. You can split pathways four or five different times, but down one of those pathways will always be what you need, even if they keep turning right and keep going further right and down and it's not exactly where you put it. You can just pick it up and move it because all the, everything else can be dead ends. You as a GM can very easily control that environment. You can control what traps they can and cannot bypass. Now, imagine you're outside. I can't make you go through any traps. You can see where the enemy is. You can see where he is. You can bypass. You can walk around it. You can fly in the sky if you want to. It's the same, like, how do you attack the Mage's Tower? You fly up the side of it and go in through the top window. Like, having things be inside and underground is a lot more controllable of an environment, especially if you want to give that dungeon feel of like, I have to go over this hurdle. It feels like a challenge when you get to the end. Like you've gone through all these things. And if you're a DM who manages to like somehow actually give them a a reason to worry about timing, i.e. let's not take a long rest between each of these because, you know, something is on my ass or there is a time constraint or something like that. You very much get to control all of these challenges to make the last one feel like a actually earned fight, not just like, but I'll turn up, fight you and walk away again. Like you get to have those fun experiences of like, this is how we solve this trap because there's literally nowhere else to go. You can't fly over it. You can't go around the side of it. You can't teleport to the other side of it. Like you are in a confined area. And that's why most things like that are written to be underground or inside a building with the exception of mages towers, which are really tall penis looking things. Like you just fly up the side of it and go through a window further up and you bypass a bunch of stuff. Like, yeah, you can move all that upwards, but that doesn't make sense if you've only clearly got two floors to go above. Um, so yeah, like that's why I like underground stuff. I feel like I control the area a bit more. I can still give some of those classic like adventuring party things that you have to overcome um and also if your characters are overpowered or they're really high level it helps to grind down resources which makes the final fight feel like it's challenging because it isn't always like if you have four like level level 10 well armored well thought out well min maxed characters anything you throw against them is going to be a breeze if it's on its own and unfortunately unfortunately slash fortunately because we're a podcast um having a shite ton of enemies it's really difficult to make sound interesting and for people to follow because they don't have a battle map to follow to look at Mm -hmm. so you have to be really good at descriptions and not spend 40 minutes yourself describing what you're doing so Mm -hmm. grinding down resources a little bit helps to reduce the amount of enemies that you get to have um, and it also just it helps that listenability of it if you have less enemies who are slightly more powerful and you don't have to worry about the fact like they have 400 spell slots to do whatever the fuck they want with like you you can whittle it down a little bit by going through the challenges and putting some sort of time constraint on it so it becomes a bit more of a fairer fight and easier to listen to with one enemy versus 500 of them like that sort of thing at least that's why in my theory lots of things are underground that's a good that's a, that's a really good explanation and I, I think that really kind of shows into your uh, way of thinking of trying to make a interesting audible podcast yeah also uh, like I don't like fighting in the same 
a two foot by two foot room, whatever it is, or fighting in the same like field. Like that's, I want to make the environment interesting because we don't have a battle map that people can see. Mm-hmm. We don't have maps and minis, and we don't play with maps and minis because I'm really bad at that kind of stuff, and I find it nitpicky and weird. Um, and yeah, we're so an audio podcast, so I need to make things sound interesting rather than I walk across the field and I stab you with my sword. I stab you with my sword. I stab you with my sword. I walk back two places well, with disengage. Like that's no, boring. Like I'd rather talk about the ground breaking underneath you and shards of stalagmite smacking you in the face or you know a geyser going off or you know, volcanic eruption like that kind of shit like have fun with the environment that's all we got yeah uh we've definitely mentioned before on this podcast that, uh like i think in uh any podcast moving forward if you want to go the cinematic route for fights Listen to the original Liberty Dice game that Travis yeah, uh, Van Graaff, uh, did. He takes basically every fight, he removes every single uh, dice roll, and the players just state what their character is doing and if they succeed or not. Uh, and then just Travis says if they succeed or not. Yeah. He basically rewrites the entire fight scene and it turns from like an hour's ordeal into five minutes. Yeah. Um, unfortunately... Um, the higher level people are and the more enemies you introduce, the longer each of the fights seem to become. Of um, yeah, And that's hard because I don't know if any of y'all have been at a table with like four people and you have a mage or, um, yeah, basically anyone who has magic and they've got like 400 abilities to choose one. It takes effing forever. Um, whereas like, yeah, yeah, you're you're barbarian it feels boring because you have to wait an hour to be able to do your three punches and that's it you're done you're disengaged mentally from it um so yeah having more enemies means it's going to take longer um like each round becomes longer and longer and longer until it's like a five hour battle now don't get me wrong five hour battles i've been in not my thing but i can understand why they may be fun to certain people um they're not fun for me but they can be uh, however, you're listening to a five-hour fight where I talk about I pick up my sword, I stab you. Mm, I'm going to consider what of the 500 spells I've got to do. Uh, and yeah, you can cut that out a lot when you're making a podcast, but there's still mm-hmm. aspects of that you can't, especially if you include some of your tabletop for entertainment and flavor, which is what we do. Um, so yep. we just have to be very mindful about combat scenes. They are the most immersive breaking, in my opinion which is why there aren't many of them in TLD. <laughs> yeah. All right. And with that, I yeah. think we can put a cap on episode 10. We can. Thank you so much to the patrons who basically got mm-hmm. us to the goal of doing episodes 9 and 10. We're very sorry yeah. it took us this long. Yeah, and we live in the same house, so we should be able to do this quickly enough, but it generally takes some effort. Um, apologies for it took us so long, but thank you so much for getting us this far. Um, we really do appreciate it yes thank you everybody for listening if you want more uh, Beyond the Eclipse episodes uh, go ahead and check out our Patreon we do it per Patreon basis so if you have one dollar to spare a month chug it our way you'll see more Beyond the Eclipse sooner that way tell your (laughs) friends and uh, like spread the word the the easiest way to get more content out of us is to have us having a bigger viewers listenership then we have a reason or an excuse to spend more time on this (laughs) currently we are uh, working really really hard in our normal financial lives and so TLD is a big time sink but it's a time sink that we love and we'd love to have more research to spend time on it exactly Uh, Uh, so yeah we're we're fitting this recording around other recordings (laughs) so we're like 
We've been planning this like for two days now. Yesterday bailed on us because the weather was bad mm-hmm. and we couldn't record. Today I was supposed to listen at work, but I couldn't because I was too busy at work. And then we came home yeah. and we had to eat and I had to listen to the episode. And then we had to record and now we're recording this and I've got some other things to yeah. do afterwards. So yeah, um, fitting this in has been rough, but honestly, the more support we have out there on the Patreon, um, the kind of the better excuse we have, I guess, to slam this in. So again, thank you so much for your support. Um, and I hope you guys continue enjoying TLD. Yes. Thank you so much for joining us for this uh, episode of Beyond the Eclipse. I hope to catch you again next time. Bye. Stay safe. Bye. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.